This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Motley Fool Total Income. It's open this week for people who are interested in, that's right, income. You can check out the details at totalincomeradio.fool.com. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. A pleasure to have you. And this is the continuation of a sometime series. It's our mental tips and tricks. I did later on kind of add in the phrase life hacks as well. Series, this is volume three. So I was looking back at our two previous volumes and I was noticing that first one in which I give the right number of fingers to have behind your back to get people to do your will. That one's worth re listening to. Volume two, well, this was really the first one that started to include your ideas as I'll be doing. Here in volume three, you all helped us think through pairing wants with needs, preparing your own food, going into work, and taking good photos, which is something that each of us in this photo dominated world is well served to attempt to do to take good, take better photos. So, some of the past treats, Rick Engdahl, our professional photographer here, who is also the producer of this show, uh, made one of his cameos there. Um, so that's what we've done in the past. A lot more than that. In fact, each of these we've typically had seven, and that's what we're going to do this time again. I have seven for you. Again, this is some combination of mental tips, mental tricks, life hacks, ways to improve your daily existence. Let's start it off very simply with number one. Number one is a quick and simple one. This is very much the mental trick. So. A lot of us have a hard time with big numbers. Very understandably, we were all born as hunters and gatherers millions of years ago. And the idea that we would understand how far away the moon is at the time, or really what the true size of the federal budget deficit could become, or any of these really large numbers are not something that comes, not something that comes intuitively to our minds. And it's still true um, for the Human mind in the year 2017. And here's a way I've had fun kind of showing that. And it's another way you can win a bar bet. These are always helpful. Um, so, this is what I call the zero to a billion hand trick. So, you're going to hold your hands out, and they're going to be about shoulder width. And you're going to say, hey, here's zero, you're going to say, on the hand that's on your left. Zero. And then the space from your left hand over to your right hand, about that distance, you're going to say, this right hand, this is a billion. Okay, so zero on one side and a billion on the other. And you ask your friend, if this is zero and this is a billion, where is a million? Now, most people, in my experience, and what will happen if you want to turn this into a bar bet, most people are going to spend a Five or ten seconds, think about it, and then usually they'll put their hand about a third of the way from your zero toward your billion. So they're not going to put it right in the middle. They're going to put it closer to zero, but they're going to put it right about there and say there about that's where a million is, zero to a billion. But as you now know going forward. 
you really couldn't even fit a knife between how close those hands are together. Because think about it now. How many millions are in a billion? And the answer is, there are 1,000 millions in a billion. So, it's really only one one-thousandth of the way from your one hand about shoulder width apart from your other to get just from zero to a million. There's the trick. The trick is that for us and our minds, we're not really good at processing large numbers and understanding their proportions. And I think that that probably reminds us of the benefit of keeping things simple and big picture and not allowing gigantic numbers to roll up too much in different contexts in our lives, because a lot of people have a hard time even conceiving of that. Um, so, this simple zero to a billion hand trick for me is a great teaching tool, and it works just as well for adults as it does for kids. Tested that. And by the way, if, if any of your friends, when you play this trick with them, if any of your friends gets it right, give them a huge pat on the back because very few people, including yours truly, when I first had it done to me, uh, get anywhere near right. All right, mental tip and trick number two. So, are you one of those people who, when faced, let's say, with Microsoft Excel, finds yourself clicking through the different menu options up there in the window bar, just kind of clicking through the file, see what all those, what's underneath all that, the file menu? Hmm, but what about view? What are some of the options that might be available for me as an Excel user? under the View menu, and you go across, and there's maybe 10 different choices, and, and, and you draw down, and you're like, and, and I think, I'm guessing you're probably not this kind of person. I think most people are not this kind of a person. It is impressive when someone brings that kind of intellectual curiosity and wants to see all of the different menu options, but I think Excel, for me anyway, is the classic example of an application that is so deep, that has been built for so many years, that has too many things it can do that, hysterically to me anyway, most people I think who use Excel use probably 3% of the actual power of the program, not that they need to be maxing out anyway. So, why am I mentioning that? Because I recently did my own menu diving, my own hunting quest on an app, because while I wouldn't quite do it for Excel, I do find myself motivated to click in and see what are some of the functionalities or menu choices that are available to me in any given app. And the one I'm going to mention is the Kindle app. Because the Kindle app is one that I make quite a bit of use of. Maybe you do, too. Um, if you'd asked me 10 or 15 years ago, do you think you'll be re reading most of your books um, on an iDevice? I would have said no. Um, as somebody who has a library full of books, as you may as well, I'm even somebody who usually brings out a pen and writes notes, makes the book my own. That's just been how I was taught to read. So, the idea that I would do that on my iPhone, which I've done quite a lot of, or my iPad, uh, would have struck me as bizarre at the time. But, truly these days, the advantages, I think, of an app that saves all your highlights, allows you to search text and find any kind of past reference or anecdote you were looking for from any book in your library, um, there are a lot of advantages, indeed. I, I, I just like seeing that, if you use the Kindle app, you know it shows how many people have highlighted a given line or paragraph, and that's really interesting to me as well. So, there are a lot of great advantages, I think, to using the Kindle app. So, I decided, let me learn this app a little bit more, and I came across the flashcard functionality. I'm guessing 
that most people haven't seen this menu item. And let me explain to you what it does, because I think it's pretty compelling. So, the Kindle flashcard functionality basically takes any highlights that you've put in the text of a book and turns each of those into a flashcard. And then right there on your Kindle, you can even like randomize the order of the flashcards and quickly review your highlights in any book that you've read. Now, I think it was last week or a week or two ago I mentioned on our podcast a book I'm enjoying called Make It Stick, which is teaching us about how really to learn. Now that psychologists and scientists and brain research has taught us really how we do learn best. There's a lot of preconceived notions about how humans learn best coming from pedagogy and really centuries of so-called wisdom, but the truth is there are a lot of new learnings about how to learn effectively. Make It Stick is very focused on that, and one of the primary points in Make It Stick is that it's very helpful for you to quiz yourself after you read something. So, the book will mention a study in which two groups of adults all read the same passage, and then one of those groups is asked right away, uh, given a quick quiz, on the material, and the other group is not. And then a week later, both groups are asked to recall to take a quiz and recall what they learned. And sure enough, the group that immediately quizzed itself after reading the material retained far more effectively than that which did not. And so I think I see some wisdom in the Kindle app allowing that flashcard functionality and making it something where you can quiz yourself. Each of the flashcards, you can then click green check mark, yes, I got it, I learned it, or red X, nope, I still need to learn that one. So, in case you've never dived back into your Kindle app and noticed that flashcard feature, if you're looking to make things stick, take a look. All right, mental tip and trick number three, and this one comes from Mike Kaniko. Mike dropped us an email at rbi at fool.com and said, Hi, David, this is the first email I have ever written into a podcast or any type of media for that matter. I'm a very insulated individual, but after listening to the February Mailbag RBI podcast, I was felt compelled to write in an attempt to open myself a little. I'm an ex-trader who really enjoys the insight that I receive from Market Foolery, Motley Fool Money, and, of course, RBI. I figured this is a great way to start, since the next phase of my life Mike writes, will require me to put myself out there more than I have in the past. The life hack I use comes into play when I need to make difficult decisions. There are two parts to this process, and I may use them in conjunction or separately, depending on the situation. The first is actually taken from a David Mamet movie from 2001 called The Heist. I am paraphrasing here, but Gene Hackman responded to another character in the movie when asked how he figured something out. He responded, once again, I'm paraphrasing here, Mike writes, quote, I think of someone smarter than myself and ask, what would he, she do, and then I do that. End quote. I think this allows an individual to step out of his current mindset and take some perspective on the situation. In my opinion, it leads me to make the best decision and not the one I want to make. The second part of the process relies on not focusing too deep on the problem to come up with a solution. I find that when I'm so entrenched with trying to figure out the solution, I tend to think of too many variables, which inevitably causes more confusion. Instead, I take a walk or perform another activity to get my mind off the issue and allow myself to relax a little. 
naturally, and this may happen in a relatively short time, or it may take a little longer, but your mind will gravitate back to the issue, but in a different state. At this state, I usually find clarity, and the solution to the problem is clearer. The subconscious mind is a powerful thing. You just need to allow it to work. Thanks again, David. I continue to listen and learn from you guys at The Fool, Mike Kaneko. Mike, I don't feel much need to go back over your two excellent bits of advice there. I like them very much. The first one, which you ascribe to The Heist, which I, a movie I didn't see, but I know a lot of people uh, love that and enjoy that scene, I think. That that line is, is one that um, I've, he- I've heard before. It reminds me of um, the creative wax um, methodology of Roger Von Eck, if you've ever seen his work, um, the Creative Whack Pack. It's a it's a deck of cards you can order off of Amazon, and each of the cards challenges your thinking, gives you a different angle to think from. And one of them is indeed, what would blank do? And for business people in particular, I think it can be effective. And here, the more different types of businesses you know as an investor, uh, the more tools you have in your toolbox here. But ask yourself, what would what would Jeff Bezos do in your business situation? What would what would Reed Hastings? How would he frame that up to Wall Street? Um, the list goes on and on of anybody really that we admire. And to ask, as you have, as you've suggested, Mike, what would that person do in my stead? Whether or not you're even right about what that person would do, by the way, that's a separate question. But whether you take that advice or not, it's deepening your your perspective, as was your second idea, which also makes a great deal of sense. Thank you, Mike Kaneko. Mental tip and trick number four. This one comes from my own experience, and I just kind of learned it over the course of time. It's hard learning in some cases, because when you're as disorganized as I have been through my life, and when you tend to be in your own spouse or partner couple relationship, the person who's not as neat, the person who is not the bed maker, I admit it, for 25 plus years of marriage, now not ever really ever the bed maker. one of my another of my poor habits is the tendency just to take whatever I wore yesterday and toss it onto a chair nearby, and then let that happen the day after that, and the day after that, and then you end up with clothes piled up and you can't find the belt that you're looking for because it was worn three days ago. And maybe maybe I'm speaking to you. Maybe you understand where I'm coming from. So, what I developed was a very simple mental approach to getting better at this, and I simply call it my two things approach. Two things. And think of it as not necessarily about your garments. It could be anything. It could be as you walk in your office or in any area, common area for you, let's say a place you spend a lot of time in. If you find that it's not as kempt as it should be, here's the two things approach. Every single time you walk into that room, you train yourself. You're going to pick two things up and you're going to put them back where they should be living. Maybe the clothes hamper or maybe a book back on a shelf, whatever it is, it's always got to be two things. And don't start faking yourself out. Don't make it four or five things. If you start thinking it's five, then you'll start cheating and not doing it, because you'll be like, I don't want to have to find five more things. It's only ever two things. Just put them back in place. And over the course of time, you'll find that areas that were once almost inaccessible to you, the person who was living in it, become not only functional, but actually sometimes quite lovely, because you've taken the time to put a process in place in your life that is going to create 
um, better solutions than if you hadn't done it in the first place. So that's the two things approach. It reminds me, there's a book called Integrity by Henry Cloud, which I loved. I read it about 15 years ago, and he he has a chapter in there about act like an ant. And this is an act like an ant mentality, right? Ants can't build those ant hills uh, right away. What they do is they just pick up a crumb, drop it, keep moving, another crumb. We, we build things incrementally. And to just tie this back briefly to an investment thought on a largely non-investment-focused podcast this week, often people don't realize they can do the same thing with buying into a stock or selling off a stock. Too often, I think we train our minds to think all or nothing, buy or sell, but acting like an ant uh, and moving incrementally can often be a more effective way to invest. Uh, so, that's the two things approach. Feel free to swipe it. Mental tip and trick number five. This one is all about negative space. Now, this is one of my favorite thoughts. It, I use it all the time for uh, investing. I think, in a lot of ways, it explains the rule breaker mentality. I've probably mentioned this before on the podcast, but not in a while. And that's the Betty Edwards book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. So, last mental tips and tricks. We talked about taking better photos. This time, we're going to talk about drawing better. Now, it's not something that I'm personally aspiring to do. I take far more photos than I'll ever draw. But once you understand the concept here, you're going to see it's not really so much just about drawing. But it did start that way for Betty Edwards, who wrote a book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And what she does, and you can buy the book, it's a classic. It's often, these days, as much about creativity. It'll be recommended by mentors not to help you draw better, but to help you think better. But what Betty Edwards does is she has you forgetting all of those past conceptions or hangups you had about whether you're an artist or not, and drawing stick figures and not doing anything since kindergarten. She just says simply this: pick up a pencil, and I want you to pick an object. Let's just say a flower vase. And the key, the mental tip and trick going on here is, Betty says, don't draw the flower vase. Draw the space around the flower vase. I haven't studied the mind that deeply. We often hear about left brain versus right brain. I think I've even sometimes heard people say there's there's some misconceptions around that as well. So I'm not going to get too deeply into the actual psychology going on here, but by drawing the the negative space around objects, you will be shocked by how well you can start to draw. In fact, a lot of what we do when we draw the negative space is we start to blur our lines a little bit, get softer. We don't do these hard line stick figure drawing. And so, if you're looking for some fun this summer at the beach, or you have a child, and you just, or really a grandparent, any of us will be starkly surprised if you go at least halfway through this book how much better you're drawing. But of course, I mention this not just in the context of drawing, but this is really how I think. Rule breaking works as well. I think of rule breaker investing as the negative space around the stock market and companies. In fact, in a world in which so often people are picking stocks based on certain numbers they're looking for through screeners, um, they're looking on the balance sheet for various ratios, very hard edged, left brained thinking. I think we are rewarded as rule breakers by specifically not looking at those things, by saying those are the obvious things, those are commoditized, everybody already knows those, and computers can crank them out and screen them faster than you or I ever could. It's instead by looking at the things that are softer, that are around the balance sheet. Things like, 
What is the culture at the company? Can this company innovate? Who are the leaders? Um, lots of things that can never, frankly, be captured on an income statement or a cash flow statement. And this is, I think, the heart of rule breaking. So, Betty Edwards' rule breaker approach to drawing, I think each of us can learn a lot from the concept of negative space. Mental tip and trick number six. This one comes in a two parter. This one's very brief because it's tweeted by Jason Hawthorne at JH Hawthorne. And Jason simply went with one calendar reminder every AM quote, how you think and feel determines how the world treats you. End quote. And two, stop taking elevators. Well, I definitely wanted to include this one on this podcast, Jason, because I, I had on my own short list of tips and tricks one of mine, which is always take the stairs. I think that's a great approach uh, to better health. And, uh, and so you, you went right there with stop taking elevators. So we're already of like mind on this, but I, I really appreciate your first one as well. Every day, it sounds like you pop up in your calendar that reminder that how you think and feel determines how the world treats you. Really, there's probably not enough made of just pop-up calendar reminder functionality. I think we all probably could do a better job um, reminding ourselves of things. Everything from need to make sure I pick up a bottle of wine on the way home, right through to reminders that we need to put back in front of our face every day of the year sometimes. So, thank you, Jason. And that brings us to the final one this week, mental tip and trick number seven. This one came in from Aaron Bush. He tweeted, with money plus other realms, systems greater than sign goals. Less thinking, less beholden to arbitrary timing, consistent and great outcomes. So, this was a tweet that I think I mostly got, I mostly understood. I think it's about systems and the power of them, and how if you have a good system in place, that's better than just putting a good goal in place. But why should I speculate when Aaron Bush happens to be an employee here at The Motley Fool and one of my Rule Breaker premium service teammates? Aaron, welcome. Thanks, David. Now, before we go right into your mental tip and trick, briefly describe what you do here at The Motley Fool. Sure. Um, well, I'm an analyst on the Rule Breakers team, so I do my best to filter through that universe for coverage, find new ideas for David. And then I also um, work in Supernova for Odyssey One, so help maintain that portfolio there. Yes, indeed. Aaron, it's been a pleasure to work with you these last few years. Still still one of our youngest employees at The Motley Fool. Are, I still might be the youngest. Are you the Maybe. youngest? How old are you, Aaron? I'm 22 now. Yes, great. And that means Aaron came to us in his late teens. Well, I'm just grateful that you let me come here at my late teens. It's been a great three-year run. Aaron, I want to understand what, where you're going with the mental tip and trick. I love systems thinking. Is this where this is headed? Yes, definitely. Cool. So, so I guess just over the past year, I, I had all these goals for myself. I wanted to learn web development. I wanted to get healthier, improve my nutrition, more exercise. But I just kept on failing at everything I tried, and I was—I just couldn't figure out why. Um, so just through some reading and, and thinking, I finally—it just dawned on me, hit me really hard one day. It's because I'm not putting in place a system to help me keep myself accountable, to help it just become a habit to where I don't have to think about it and such. Um, so, so 
in December for every single one of these these areas that I was having trouble in, I said, okay, I'm done just with the goal. I'm not even going to think about that anymore. I'm just going to put in place um, just a system, essentially just times on my calendar where I'm going to do particular things. Um, so for the web development, now every Monday, Wednesday, from 6.30 to 9.30, I'm spending time doing that, as well as some time on Saturday for... Nutrition, uh, we're fortunate enough to have power supply here, which delivers food to the office. So now I don't have to think about most any meal at all. It just handles that for me. And, um, and, and even for exercise, just setting out you know, particular times of the week where, well, that's just where I'm going and I'm held accountable for going there. Um, it has helped me so much not fail. And in the time that I have done this, which hasn't been very long, only two, three months or so, um, I've found that the outcomes already are better than when I just had a goal that was just sitting there. What do you think it is about that, Aaron? What is it about having a goal and not a system? Well, I think a goal in the first place really just is a hope-filled aspiration with a (laughs) deadline. But the system, that is your actual ongoing process or routine for getting something done. So just at the root of the definitions there, I think that holds a lot of insight. But if you dive one step deeper into the derivative of it, I think... What makes systems so powerful is that, first of all, they don't make you think at all. They generally take care of themselves, especially if you start morphing it into a habit. Um, they're less beholden to arbitrary timing. I'm not so obsessed about, okay, I gotta, you know, have this much money at age 30, or, you know, have gained this much muscle over the next 12 months, or something like that. I don't have to think about that. I just, just stick with the system, um, and it takes care of itself. Um, it's consistent. Um, I think a lot of people, when they set goals, they forget that life is unpredictable sometimes and that um, things can happen that just totally sway your sway the outcome. When I was, when I was a kid, I, I was one of those spreadsheet nerds that I had my whole life detailed out in front of me. Like, all right, when this was like when I was 10 years old, I was like, all right, when I'm 70 years old, this is everything that's going to be happening because that's what the spreadsheet said. But then, you know, as you start working and start paying bills, start earning income, start investing more of your own money, you start to realize, oh, wait, not all of that is actually planned. But if sticking with the system instead of just throwing it out there, it helps make sure that it becomes accomplished. It's, it does seem as well, Aaron, that if you're going to be a systems-driven kind of a person, and I definitely am as well, looking for processes and thinking through being choiceful and designing well is really important, right? Because it's definitely. one thing to say system, but if it's a bad system, that's very destructive. Yeah, so sometimes it might take some tweaking to, to figure out if it works, but once it works, you know it works, because it doesn't stop working. Um, and this this works the same way for investing, too. And this is something that I, I've learned from you just working here and seeing all the different ways that that you just think about doing your research or working with teams and all that kind of stuff. It all it all plays a role. And, and really, systems can, can play a part in most everything that we do. And that's that's something that I'm striving to, to work towards, to make it a more integral part of uh, I guess everything that I'm trying to accomplish. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, thanks for tweeting that out. And it was delightful to know that just a floor <laughs> away from where we're taping in the studio, I could have you down and just have you explain that tweet. Yeah. And thank you for letting me explain in more than 140 characters. <laughs> I feel like that was needed. <laughs> okay, Aaron Bush, thanks a lot for your cameo appearance on Rule Breaker Investing this week. Thank you, David. And that was a nice reflection by Aaron at the end, talking about our processes internally and indeed something that. Um, I've done here for 10 or 15 years. I think it was 
when we started Motley Fool Stock Advisor in 2002, then in 2004, started Rule Breakers, and I was going to be overseeing both, I started to realize I'm going to need to get a lot more organized. And the way that I found to organize myself was through processes and systems. So we have a lot of systems in place to make a service like Motley Fool Rule Breakers work to get our two stock picks out every month to you, our 10 best buys now, uh, and to ensure that over the course of time, we're going to be providing market-beating advice uh, across a couple of different services, and now Supernova as well. It's been critical, I think, to have systems thinking and processes in place and to design them well, and as Aaron well said, to be ready to tweak them as we go, because tweak them we have, and tweak them we always will. Well, that's all we have for you this week on Rule Breaker Investing. I'm delighted that you joined with us, and thank you for those who provided some of the material of this show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Jason, for your efforts. And uh, next week, it's going to be a horse of a different color. Well, in fact, we're going to go right back into the realm of investing, but this time, I'm going to focus on some investment terms. I want to pick a small menu of terms and teach you about them and get smarter as investors based on some of the things that we look at in Rule Breaker Investing. Okay, now let me close by mentioning if you're interested in income investing, we have a brand new service called Motley Fool Total Income that incorporates dividend stocks, options, bonds, real estate, and more. Now, as you may well know, when we open up services like this at The Motley Fool, we do them for limited periods of time. This is the final week to join Total Income. So, if you think you are a candidate for this service, if you're interested, we'd love to have you. You can check out the details at totalincomeradio.fool.com. Till next week, Fool on! As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.